For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. taken that on, that God is not far from us, but let's draw near to Him, realizing that He's identified with us, but also that we can see His glory in the midst of all situations. This is Sozo Church. All right, well, as we're looking at the scripture, um, you get to hear from um, a few different people during this series. And I am just um, taking that first part of where it talks about at the beginning, um, he shared in the flesh and blood. So as I was looking at that and what that meant and him becoming um, human um, and just really taking on flesh, God with flesh, um, that I started to look at just him living with us, Christ here. Um, And so... Really, the scripture that came out was um, John 1, 14. I'm going to turn there real quick. Just so you guys know, we are going to read a lot of scripture because we're looking at really the life of Jesus. So in John 1, 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as only as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And... Um, as I started looking at this scripture, I really saw two parts of that, of Jesus being human, that incarnation. And really, it's he became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. And I kind of look at that as him identifying with our humanity, um, him partaking in our nature, being acquainted with our grief. That's that becoming flesh. And then we have um, seeing his glory. Um, where we encounter his glory in everything that we do. So as we look at the incarnation of Jesus, we see those two things simultaneously taking place. Um, Jesus identifying with our humanity, and then in the midst of that, we see his glory. Miracles happen. Um, Just amazing things begin to take place. So we are going to look at, let's see here, Luke. We're going to look at the birth of Jesus. All right, Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, 
Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Um, And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured it up, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told to them. And I love this picture of we have Jesus becoming flesh. That's that moment. I mean, he's flesh in the womb, but that moment of him truly becoming and taking on all of our humanity. And he took it on in a way that it wasn't glorious. It wasn't beautiful. Um, In a lot of instances, people would call it kind of a traumatic birth. I mean, think of Mary as this woman pregnant Go traveling in full term and having Jesus um, in a manger, in a barn with animals all around and the filth of it all, not that planned, here's my birth plan and this is what's going to happen and my family's going to be here. And, you know, that didn't happen for them. Even in the midst of all of that, they were in a manger. There's Jesus and God shows up. I mean, there are angels, there are, you know, there's the star, there's all this stuff happening, there's rejoicing, because he's come. And so even in the midst of that humanity, that just natural thing, something that women's bodies were made to do, God shows up. And, um, and we get to see his glory in the midst of such, um, such a natural thing. So I just kind of want to continue looking at Jesus's life um, we can just move forward right in Luke 2, 41 through 52. Um, it's Jesus when he's 12 years old. And, okay, good. I don't remember which scriptures I gave them to read or, or put up there or not. So we'll find out. It'll be an adventure. Um, but we have boy Jesus and um, his parents. They traveled, traveled to Jerusalem, and they went every year for the Feast of Passover. And at this point, he is 12 years old. And his parents are returning um, home. And I love this story because as I was kind of contemplating, like, which stories of his life to share, I thought, okay, Jesus at 12, you know, that's an age where we all remember it and what it's like to be 12 years old. Um, but we also, um, it's still a child, you know. So I was looking at his life, and I was like, how is it that his parents lost him? I mean, I get that they're traveling in a group and all of that stuff, but I just, I don't know, maybe I'm paranoid or something, but as a parent, I'm going, I don't get it. And then this weekend at Thanksgiving, I totally got it. I didn't lose any of my kids, thank God, but um, we were having Thanksgiving dinner and everybody's cleaning up and wrapping up and all the kids are asking to go out. There's, there was enough family that we had a camper set up outside as well, and the kids wanted to go out there to play on the Nintendo. So 
they, they're out there playing and goofing off and having a good time. And the parents, every so often you hear them, oh, yeah, did you check on the kids? Yeah, I was just there like 20 minutes ago. They seem fine. And then you hear it a few minutes later, oh, who's checked on the kids? I, I, I just went. And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, well, yeah, we've all checked on the kids. But really, the six-year-old girls are downstairs, and they've made some art gallery, and they're selling their art, and then they have a show. You know, so you don't know which kids are kind of where. And you just think, well, Adonai, our oldest, is 14. Why would I check on her? She's fine. She's going to be the one taking care of the little ones. And, and then it suddenly clicked. Like, no, I totally get how I could lose my kid. I mean, I wasn't looking for Malachi. He's 10. He's fine. You check on him occasionally. But you see that herd of kids, and nobody's fighting. Nobody's crying. Life is good. Um, so I got it. I was just like, oh, okay. So... Boy, Jesus, he's lost. I now understand what happened with his parents. And I also understand being 12 and going, no, I got this. I'm fine. Like, just wander around town. Um, For those of you who grew up in Hilliard, you understand. Um, You just kind of wander. You go places. You make new friends. We met lots of people. And I'm fine. So that's good. (laughs) I am. Um, So I don't know if all of you who grew up there feel that way. But I'm okay. Anyways, so they lost him for a while. And so after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And I can definitely see that even with having a 14-year-old. Why do you care what I'm doing? I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm taken care of. And then, but that moment of I'm about my father's business, even in the midst of just their simple conversation, he's beginning to realize. And God's beginning to show up. And, and I just love the whole picture of us, ident- or him identifying with us in the, in the midst of this. He traveled. He, he was hanging out with family. He was obviously educated. Just those natural human things are happening in Jesus's life. And, um, and just love looking at them. He's around, or looking at that because he's around his cousins. He's around his family members, and that he's completely identifying with who we are. Just that mundane everyday life. He's starting to get a picture of not just as our creator, but as as one of us. And so um, then we can move on to Matthew thirteen, or excuse me, four thirteen through seventeen. Um, Matthew's this way. Four, thirteen. Okay. So this is where Jesus is baptized. And maybe, maybe I wrote down the wrong scripture. Anyways, so Jesus was baptized, and it was awesome. Um, and when he is baptized, it's a very natural thing. I mean, he's physically in human form getting in the water. He's being dunked. He's, he's coming up. And it's just this very physical body, you know, thing. You're just, you're doing it. You're being obedient. But then God shows up. The clouds open his voice from heaven, you know, like a dove. And it says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's like just in the midst of that being dunked and coming up and, and, and doing those things that you should be doing, God shows up and his glory comes, his glory falls. And we get to see God move um, in the supernatural 
And so um, then from there, he goes out and he's tempted in the wilderness. In Mark uh, 1, 12 through 13, he goes out and he is hungry. He fasts for 40 days. He's tired. He's weak. I mean, who of us have fasted even for a week? It's exhausting. You get crabby. Um, You don't want to do anything. But he's out in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil. And um, let's see here. But in the midst of that, he comes out and the angels minister to him. They take care of him. And I love just seeing those two things coming together. Him hungry. God moving. And going back and forth and seeing God move mightily. Um, One of my favorite things is him in John 2, 2 through 11. Let's see here. I am going to read some of these, I promise. On the third day, there was a wedding at Canaan in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, there is no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone, excuse me, stone water jars um, there for the Jewish rite of purification, excuse me, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it had came from, though the servant who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine till later. And I know it's just a silly moment in Jesus's life, but I love that him and his disciples were invited to a wedding. They celebrated the union of two becoming one. They were there. They were guests. Just that whole part of him just being human. I love going to people's weddings. I think it's just this amazing time of, of encountering just that celebration of life, that Jesus didn't only partake of our weaknesses and of our mourning and grieving and all those things, which he totally and completely did, but he also celebrated with us. He, he was filled with joy. He was at a wedding, but in the midst of a wedding, he's turning water to wine. Um, he's doing something miraculous for something very practical. He ran out of wine, and in culture, that was a huge deal. But um, at the same time, it was, it was important enough for, for God to intervene and for miracles to happen in the middle of that. So I, I just love looking at his life and taking that time to, to realize how much he really did identify with where we're at in just the simplest things. Um, one of the big things was John 11, 1 through 44. It talks a lot about, or a couple of times, I think it was three times that Jesus raised people from the dead. Um, but this is one that um, is amazing because it's, it's somebody that he loves. It's not just a child who's passed away and their mother's grieving, but he actually, he waits. Um, we have Mary and Martha who sent word that Lazarus was sick and that he was going to die. And he delays because he knows that God's going to do something awesome, that, that miracles are going to happen. And so 
We've got here the story, or the death of Lazarus. And let's see here. I'm just going to hit on a few points, and then we'll move on. So as he delayed it, it actually made it where... Lazarus was, in the, or was dead for four days, and biblically, they did not consider somebody dead fully, you're dead, after, until three days, and that's why he also waited three days to, um, to raise from the dead. But he waited that time, and then he came back, and we have him walking into these women grieving, and they're asking, why didn't you come? You could have done something, and he's saying, no, I can. If you believe, I can do this, and in the midst of that, we see Jesus mourning, him weeping, him grieving. And some people say it's because the people didn't believe him that he truly could raise him from the dead. And others say it's because of this person that he loves has died. But either way, he takes the authority that God's given him, the authority that he has because he is God, and he says, roll away the stone, and he calls Lazarus forth, and he comes forth. And it's so amazing that in the midst of grieving and loss, regardless of if he knew that he could raise him from the dead or not, he lost somebody. He experienced that loss. He experienced, you know, so many different deaths. But this was somebody who he loved. And, um, and he called him forth. And we see him traveling throughout, um, throughout the region and he's calling disciples, and he's making friends. He's, um, he's hanging out with people. He's going places. He's preaching the gospel. He's speaking the word, and in the midst of all of it, people are healed. People are restored. They're redeemed. They are challenged and encouraged and given the strength to not be stuck where they're at, but to walk in the way that God's called them to, and I love all the miracles that happen and the lives that are changed in all of it. Um, And then he continues on his journey, and his journey to the cross is just one of heartache, but a heartache that so many of us experience, so many of us have partaken of. Um, And we don't need to turn here, but in Mark 14, 10 through 12, and then again in 43 through 45, he's betrayed. That's where Judas betrays him. And he's, it moves on in 15. It talks about him being mocked and beat. And um, even once he gets on the cross, he's crucified. He's hanging there. And he's continuing to be belittled and, and mocked. And um, then in Mark 15, 21 through 37, he's murdered. He experienced all of those things. He became human. Here he is, God, fully God in the flesh. And he took on all of those things to identify with our humanity. And three days later, though, that's, that's where his glory is seen. That's where God shows up in all power and in the resurrection, him being raised from the dead. That we see his glory. We see his goodness. So the birth of Jesus was just the beginning of the incarnation, that being God with flesh. Not only does he know each and every one of us, I loved this, um, just thinking about it, he he knows each and every one of us as our creator. He made us, he formed, he fashioned us, he he knit us together. The Bible talks about him knowing the hairs on our head. He knows us. But he not only knows us as that creator, as somebody who made something, 
but he became one of us. He was knit together in his mother's womb. He was formed and fashioned, and it had to take those, those 40 weeks to, to get every piece together so that he could be born, so that he could identify with our weaknesses, but that we could encounter his glory. In all of that, we see him being fully human and fully, fully God, and we get to live that life as well. We don't have to be stuck in the midst of the grief, but he knows our grief. We don't have to be stuck mourning, but he's mourned with us. He's also rejoiced with us. He's celebrated with us. He knows exactly where we're at because not only did he create us, inform us, and have those plans and purposes for us, but he experienced it. And so as we look at why Christmas, we need to stop and realize that this is where it starts, that beginning part, him becoming flesh. If we wouldn't have Easter without this moment of him deciding, I'm going to be flesh, I'm going to be human, I'm going to come into this world and take on all those things that everybody else has. And so, um, let's see here. I'm going to read Isaiah 53. Get back here. Verse 2, it says, For he grew up before... Um, excuse me, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has bore our grief, and carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the um, chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wound, we are healed. And today, he has identified with us. He's identified with with our flesh and our weaknesses. I know that today's message is shorter than one would typically be, but um, I just want to encourage us that he really has taken that on, that God is not far from us, but let's draw near to him, realizing that he's identified with us, but also that we can see his glory in the midst of all situations. Um, So I'm going to actually have the, the ministry team come up and the worship team come forward. And, um, We have a ministry team available. If you're struggling, if you're going through things, if you're looking at the holidays going, why? Bad things happen to me during the holidays. People have disappointed me. I have, you know, Christmas isn't the way that I thought it would be. Family isn't here. Or you get so busy and so caught up with the traditions of, okay, I need to decorate the tree. I need to do all these things. Let's stop and look at why Christmas he came to identify with us that he could also show us his glory. So um, let's see here. So if that's you, if you're having a tough time during Christmas, we have this ministry team available. They'll pray with you. They'll stand with you. They'll believe God for great things. And so often, even in the midst of all of that, we, we see God's glory. Miracles happen. He didn't just stop then. It wasn't just, okay, the cross, he took on our sins, and that was it. But miracles happen. God gave himself, Jesus came and gave himself as an example. 
that we can really live our lives the way that Jesus did. And he even said we can do greater things. That he has empowered us. He's in us if we have accepted him, if we have, have made that, that declaration and we have allowed him to move in and through our lives, that, that that's possible. Those miracles can happen. We can see him move. So I want to encourage you guys today, if, if you just need to, to take a moment and just worship him and thank him and praise him for what he's done, let's do that now. If you need somebody to pray with you, because this time's rough, or if this time's great and you know what, I just need somebody to stand with me. Let's do that together. So I'm going to pray and then we will go back into worship. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you became flesh. Lord, that you have taken on what it is to be human. And yet you still continue to create us. Even though you know. You know our struggles. You know our weakness. And I thank you that you are there in the midst of all of it.